As long as we are something, God cannot be all. His omnipotence cannot do its full work. That is the beginning of faith, utter despair of self, a ceasing from man and everything on earth and finding our hope in God alone. 5. Faith is rest. And then next we must understand that faith is rest. In the beginning of the faith life, faith is struggling. But as long as faith is struggling, faith has not attained its strength. But when faith in its struggling gets to the end of itself and throws itself upon God and rests on Him, then joy and victory come. Perhaps I can make it plainer if I tell the story of how the Keswick Convention began. Canon Battersby was an evangelical clergyman of the Church of England for more than 20 years. He was a man of deep and tender godliness, but he did not have the consciousness of rest and victory over sin. He was often deeply saddened by the thought of stumbling and failure and sin. When he heard about the possibility of victory, he felt it was desirable, but it was as if he could not attain it. On one occasion he heard an address on rest and faith from the story of the nobleman who came from Capernaum to Cana to ask Christ to heal his child. In the address it was shown that the nobleman believed that Christ could help him in a general way. But he came to Jesus a good deal by way of an experiment. He hoped Christ would help him, but he did not have any assurance of that help. But what happened when Christ said to him, Go thy way, for thy child liveth? John 4:50. That man believed the word that Jesus spoke. He rested in that word. He had no proof that his child was well again, and he had to walk back seven hours' journey to Capernaum. He walked back and on the way met his servant and got the first news that the child was well. The servant told him that at one o'clock on the afternoon of the previous day, at the very time that Jesus spoke to him, the fever left the child. That father rested on the word of Jesus and his work, and he went down to Capernaum and found his child well. He praised God, and he and his whole house became believers and disciples of Jesus. Oh, friends, that is faith. When God comes to me with the promise of his keeping and I have nothing on earth to trust in, I say to God, your word is enough. I am kept by the power of God. That is faith. That is rest. When Canon Battersby heard that address, he went home that night, and in the darkness of the night he found rest. He rested on the word of Jesus. And the next morning in the streets of Oxford, he said to a friend, I have found it. Then he went and told others and asked that the Keswick Convention might commence. He said that those at the convention, along with himself, should simply testify what God had done. It is a great thing when a man comes to rest on God's almighty power for every moment of his life. It is also great when he does so in the midst of temptations to temper and haste and anger and unlovingness and pride and sin. It is a great thing in the face of these to enter into a covenant with the omnipotent Jehovah, 
not on account of anything that any man says or of anything that my heart feels, but on the strength of the word of God, kept by the power of God through faith. Oh, let us say to God that we are going to prove him to the very utmost. Let us say, we ask you for nothing more than you can give, but we want nothing less. Let us say, my God, let my life be a proof of what the omnipotent God can do. Let these be the two dispositions of our souls every day, deep helplessness and simple childlike rest. Six, faith needs fellowship. That brings me just one more thought in regard to faith. Faith implies fellowship with God. Many people want to take the word and believe that, but do not think it is so necessary to fellowship with God. Ah, no. You cannot separate God from his word. No goodness or power can be received separate from God. If you want to get into this life of godliness, you must take time for fellowship with God. People sometimes tell me my life is one of such a scurry and bustle that I have no time for fellowship with God. A dear missionary said to me, People do not know how we missionaries are tempted. I get up at five o'clock in the morning and there are the natives waiting for their orders for work. Then I have to go to the school and spend hours there. Then there is other work and sixteen hours rush along. I hardly get time to be alone with God. Ah, there is the need. I pray you remember two things. I have not told you to trust the omnipotence of God as a thing, and I have not told you to trust the Word of God as a written book. I have told you to go to the God of omnipotence and the God of the Word. Deal with God as that nobleman dealt with the living Christ. Why was he able to believe the word that Christ spoke to him? Because in the very eyes and tone and voice of Jesus, the Son of God, he saw and heard something which made him feel that he could trust him. And that is what Christ can do for you and me. Do not try to stir and arouse faith from within. How often I have tried to do that and made a fool of myself. You cannot stir up faith from the depths of your heart. Leave your heart and look into the face of Christ. Listen to what he tells you about how he will keep you. Look up into the face of your loving Father and take time every day with him. Begin a new life with the deep emptiness and poverty of a man who has got nothing and who wants to get everything from him with the deep restfulness of a man who rests on the living God, the omnipotent Jehovah. Try God and prove him. If he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there will not be room to receive. I close by asking if you are willing to fully experience the heavenly keeping for the heavenly inheritance. Robert Murray McKinney says, somewhere. Oh God, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be made. And if that prayer is in your heart, come now and let us enter into a covenant with the everlasting and omnipotent Jehovah afresh in great helplessness, but in great restfulness, 
let us place ourselves in his hands. And then as we enter into our covenant, let us have the one prayer that we may fully believe that the everlasting God is going to be our companion. Let us believe that he will hold our hand every moment of the day. He is our keeper, watching over us without a moment's interval. He is our Father, delighting to reveal himself in our souls always. He has the power to let the sunshine of his love be with us all day. Do not be afraid that because you have your business, you cannot have God with you always. Learn the lesson that the natural sun shines on you all day and you enjoy its light. Wherever you are, you have got the sun. God makes certain that it shines on you. And God will make certain that his own divine light shines on you and that you will abide in that light if you will only trust him for it. Let us trust God to do that with a great and entire trust. Here is the omnipotence of God, and here is faith reaching out to the measure of that omnipotence. We can say, all that omnipotence can do, I am going to trust my God for. Are not the two sides of this heavenly life wonderful? God's omnipotence covers me, and my will in its littleness rests in that omnipotence and rejoices in it. Moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment, I've life from above. Looking to Jesus, the glory doth shine. Moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. Ye are the branches, an address to Christian workers. Everything depends on our being right in Christ. If I want good apples, I must have a good apple tree. If I care for the health of the apple tree, the apple tree will give me good apples. And it is just so with our Christian life and work. If our life with Christ is right, all will come out right. Instruction and suggestion and help and training in the different departments of the work may be needed. All that has value. But in the long run, the greatest essential is to have the full life in Christ. In other words, to have Christ in us, working through us. I know how much there is to disturb us or to cause anxious questionings, but the Master has such a blessing for every one of us and such perfect peace and rest. He has such joy and strength if we can only come into and be kept in the right attitude toward Him. I will take my text from the parable of the vine and the branches in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches, especially these words, ye are the branches. What a simple thing it is to be a branch, the branch of a tree or the branch of a vine. The branch grows out of the vine or out of the tree, and there it lives and grows, and in due time bears fruit. It has no responsibility except to receive sap and nourishment from the root and stem. And if only we knew by the Holy Spirit about our relationship to Jesus Christ, our work would be changed into the brightest and most heavenly thing on earth instead of there ever being soul weariness or exhaustion, our work would be like a new experience linking us to Jesus as nothing else 
can. For is it not true that often our work comes between us and Jesus? What folly! The very work that he has to do in me and I for him, I take up in such a way that it separates me from Christ. Many a laborer in the vineyard has complained that he has too much work and not enough time for close communion with Jesus. He complains that his usual work weakens his inclination for prayer and that his many conversations with men darken the spiritual life. Sad thought that the bearing of fruit should separate the branch from the vine. That must be because we have looked on our work as something other than the branch bearing fruit. May God deliver us from every false thought about the Christian life. Now, just a few thoughts about this blessed branch life. Absolute dependence. In the first place, it is a life of absolute dependence. The branch has nothing. It just depends on the vine for everything. Absolute dependence is one of the most solemn and precious of thoughts. A great German theologian wrote two large volumes some years ago to show that the whole of Calvin's theology is summed up in that one principle of absolute dependence upon God. And he was right. Another great writer has said that absolute, unalterable dependence upon God alone is the essence of the religion of angels. It should also be that of men. God is everything to the angels, and he is willing to be everything to the Christian. If I can learn to depend on God every moment of the day, everything will come right. You will receive the higher life if you depend absolutely on God. Now, here we find it with the vine and the branches. Every vine you ever see, or every bunch of grapes that come to your table, let it remind you that the branch is absolutely dependent on the vine. The vine has to do the work, and the branch enjoys the fruit of it. What has the vine to do? It has to do a great work. It has to send its roots out into the soil and hunt under the ground. The roots often extend a long way out for nourishment and to drink in the moisture. But certain elements of manure in certain directions, and the vine sends its roots there. Then its roots or stems turn the moisture and manure into that special sap which makes the fruit that is born. The vine does the work, and the branch has just to receive the sap from the vine. The sap is then changed into grapes. I have been told that at Hampton Court, London, there was a vine that sometimes bore a couple of thousand bunches of grapes. People were astonished at its great growth and rich fruitage. Afterward, the cause was discovered. The Thames River flows nearby, so the vine had stretched its roots hundreds of yards under the ground until it had come to the riverside. There, in all the rich slime of the riverbed, it had found rich nourishment and obtained moisture. The roots had drawn the sap all that distance up and up into the vine. As a result, there was the abundant rich harvest. The vine had the work to do, and the branches had just to depend on the vine and receive what it gave. 
Is that literally true of my Lord Jesus? Must I understand that when I have to work, when I have to preach a sermon or address a Bible class or go out and visit the poor neglected ones, that all the responsibility of the work is on Christ? That is exactly what Christ wants you to understand. Christ desires that in all your work, the very foundation should be the simple blessed consciousness. Christ must care for all. And how does he fulfill the trust of that dependence? He does it by sending down the Holy Spirit. Not now and then, only as a special gift, but remember, the relationship between the vine and the branches is such that hourly, daily, unceasingly, the living connection is maintained. The sap does not flow for a time and then stop and then flow again. Instead, moment to moment, the sap flows from the vine to the branches, and just So, my Lord Jesus wants me to take that blessed position as a worker. Morning by morning and day by day and hour by hour and step by step in every work, I have to go out to abide before him in the simple, utter helplessness of one who knows nothing. I must be as one who is nothing and can do nothing. Oh, beloved workers, study that word nothing. You sometimes sing, Oh, to be nothing, nothing. But have you really studied that word and prayed every day and worshipped God in the light of it? Do you know the blessedness of that word, nothing? If I am something, then God is not everything. But when I become nothing, God can become all. The everlasting God in Christ can reveal himself fully. That is the higher life. We need to become nothing. Someone has well said that the seraphim and cherubim are flames of fire because they know they are nothing and they allow God to put his fullness and his glory and brightness into them. Oh, become nothing in deep reality. And as a worker, study only one thing, to become poorer and lower and more helpless that Christ may work all in you. Workers, here is your first lesson. Learn to be nothing. Learn to be helpless. The man who has got something is not absolutely dependent, but the man who has got nothing is absolutely dependent. Absolute dependence on God is the secret of all power in work. The branch has nothing but what it gets from the vine. You and I can have nothing but what we get from Jesus deep restfulness. But second, the life of the branch is not only a life of entire dependence, but also of deep restfulness. That little branch, if it could think, feel, and speak, and if we could say, come branch of the vine, I want to learn from you how I can be a true branch of the living vine. What would it answer? The little branch would whisper, man, I hear that you are wise, and I know that you can do a great many wonderful things. I know you have much strength and wisdom given to you, but I have one lesson for you. With all your hurry and effort in Christ's work, you never prosper. The first thing you need is to come and rest in your Lord Jesus. That is what I do. 
since I grew out of that vine. I have spent years and years, and all I have done is just to rest in the vine. When the time of spring came, I had no anxious thought or care. The vine began to pour its sap into me and to give the bud and leaf. And when summer came, I had no care, and in the great heat, I trusted the vine to bring moisture to keep me fresh. And in the time of harvest, when the owner came to pluck the grapes, I had no care. If there was anything in the grapes not good, the owner never blamed the branch. The blame was always on the vine. And if you would be a true branch of Christ, the living vine, just rest on him. Let Christ bear the responsibility. You say, won't that make me slothful? I tell you, it will not. No one who learns to rest on the living Christ can become slothful. The closer your contact with Christ, the more the spirit of his zeal and love will be born in upon you. But oh, begin to work in the midst of your entire dependence by adding to that deep restfulness. A man sometimes tries and tries to be dependent on Christ, but he worries himself about this absolute dependence. He tries and he cannot get it. But let him sink down into entire restfulness every day. In thy strong hand I lay me down, so shall the work be done. For who can work so wondrously as thee, Almighty One? Workers, take your place every day at the feet of Jesus in the blessed peace and rest that come from the knowledge. I have no care. My cares are His. I have no fear. He cares for all my fears. Come, children of God, and understand that it is the Lord Jesus who wants to work through you. You complain of the lack of fervent love. It will come from Jesus. He will give the divine love in your heart with which you can love people. That is the meaning of the assurance. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. And of that other word, the love of Christ constraineth us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Christ can give you a fountain of love so that you cannot help loving the most wretched and the most ungrateful or those who have wearied you. Rest in Christ who can give wisdom and strength. You do not know how that restfulness will often prove to be the very best part of your message. You plead with people and you argue, and they get the idea, there is a man arguing and striving with me. But if you will let the deep rest of God come over you, the rest in Christ Jesus, the peace and the rest and holiness of heaven, that restfulness will bring a blessing to the heart even more than the words you speak. Much fruitfulness. The third, the branch teaches a lesson of much fruitfulness. The Lord Jesus Christ repeated the word fruit often in that parable. He spoke first of fruit and then of more fruit and then of much fruit. Yes, you are ordained not only to bear fruit, but to bear much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. John 15:8. In the first place, Christ said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. John 15:1. God will watch over the connection between Christ and the branches. It is in the power of God through Christ 
that we are to bear fruit. Oh, Christians, you know this world is perishing for lack of workers, and it lacks more than workers. Many workers are saying, some more earnestly than others, we need not only more workers, but we need our workers to have a new power, a different life, so that we workers would be able to bring more blessings. Children of God, I appeal to you. You know what trouble you take, say, in a case of sickness. You have a beloved friend apparently in danger of death, and nothing can refresh that friend so much as a few grapes. But they are out of season. Still, what trouble you will take to get the grapes that are to be the nourishment of this dying friend. And there are people around who never go to church, and so many who go to church but do not know Christ. And yet the heavenly grapes, the grapes of the heavenly vine, are not to be had at any price except as the child of God bears them out of his inner life in fellowship with Christ. Except the children of God are filled with the sap of the heavenly vine, except they are filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus, they cannot bear much of the real heavenly grace. We all confess there is a great deal of work, a great deal of preaching, teaching, and visiting, a great deal of machinery, and a great deal of earnest effort of every kind, but... There is not much manifestation of the power of God in it. What is wanting? The close connection between the worker and the heavenly vine is lacking. Christ, the heavenly vine, has blessings that he could pour on tens of thousands who are perishing. Christ, the heavenly vine, has power to provide the heavenly grace. But ye are the branches. And you cannot bear heavenly fruit unless you are in close connection with Christ Jesus. Do not confuse work and fruit. There may be a good deal of work for Christ that is not the fruit of the heavenly vine. Do not seek for work only. Oh, study this question of fruit bearing. It means the very life, power, spirit, and love within the heart of the Son of God. It means the heavenly vine himself coming into your heart and mine. You know there are different sorts of grapes, each with a different name. Every vine provides exactly that peculiar aroma and juice which gives the grape its particular flavor and taste. Just so there is in the heart of Christ Jesus a life, a love, a spirit, a blessing, and a power for men that are entirely heavenly and divine and that will come down into our hearts. Stand in close connection with the heavenly vine and say, Lord Jesus, nothing less than the sap that flows through you, nothing less than the spirit of your divine life is what we ask. Lord Jesus, I pray, let your spirit flow through me in all my work for you. I tell you again that the sap of the heavenly vine is nothing but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life of the heavenly vine. What you must get from Christ is nothing less than a strong inflow of the Holy Spirit. You need it exceedingly, and you want nothing more than that. Remember that. Do not expect Christ to give a bit of strength here and a bit of blessing yonder and a bit of help over there 
as the vine does its work in giving its own peculiar sap to the branch, so expect Christ to give his own Holy Spirit into your heart. Then you will bear much fruit. Perhaps you have only begun to bear fruit and are listening to the word of Christ in the parable. More fruit, much fruit. Remember that in order for you to bear more fruit, you just require more of Jesus in your life and heart. We ministers of the gospel, how we are in danger of getting into a condition of work, work, work. And we pray over it. But the freshness, buoyancy, and joy of the heavenly life are not always present. Let us seek to understand that the life of the branch is a life of much fruit because it is a life rooted in Christ, the living heavenly vine. Close communion. And fourth, the life of the branch is a life of close communion. Let us again ask, what has the branch to do? You know that precious, inexhaustible word that Christ used, abide. Your life is to be an abiding life. And how is the abiding to be? It is to be just like the branch in the vine, abiding every minute of the day. The branches are in close communion, in unbroken communion with the vine, from January to December. And can I not live every day? It is to me an almost terrible thing that we should ask the question. In abiding communion with the heavenly vine, you say, but I am so occupied with other things. You may have ten hours hard work daily during which your brain has to be occupied with temporal things. God orders it so. But the abiding work is the work of the heart, not of the brain. It is the work of the heart, clinging to and resting in Jesus, a work in which the Holy Spirit links us to Christ Jesus. Oh, do believe that deeper down than the brain, deep down in the inner life. You can abide in Christ so that every moment you are free, the consciousness will come. Blessed Jesus, I am still in you. If you will learn for a time to put aside other work and to get into this abiding contract with the heavenly vine, you will find that fruit will come. What is the application to our life of this abiding communion? What does it mean? It means close fellowship with Christ in secret prayer. I am sure there are Christians who do long for the higher life and who sometimes have received a great blessing. I am sure there are those who have at times found a great inflow of heavenly joy and a great outflow of heavenly gladness. Yet after a time it has passed away. They have not understood that close personal communion with Christ is an absolute necessity for daily life. Take time to be alone with Christ. Nothing in heaven or earth can free you from the necessity for that if you are to be happy and holy Christians. Oh, how many Christians look on it as a burden and a tax, a duty and a difficulty to often be alone with God. That is the great hindrance to our Christian life everywhere. We need more quiet fellowship with God. I tell you in the name of the heavenly vine that you cannot be healthy branches, branches into which the heavenly sap can flow unless you take plenty of time for communion with God. 
If you are not willing to sacrifice time to get alone with him and to give him time every day to work in you and to keep up the link of connection between you and himself, he cannot give you that blessing of his unbroken fellowship. Jesus Christ asks you to live in close communion with him. Let every heart say, O Christ, it is this I long for, it is this I choose and he will gladly give it to you. Absolute surrender. And then finally, the life of the branch is a life of absolute surrender. These words, absolute surrender, are great and solemn. I believe we do not fully understand their meaning, but yet the little branch preaches it. Have you anything to do, little branch, besides bearing grapes? No, nothing. Are you fit for nothing? fit for nothing. The Bible says that a bit of vine cannot even be used as a pen. It is fit for nothing but to be burned. And now, what do you understand, little branch, about your relationship to the vine? My relationship is just this. I am utterly given up to the vine, and the vine can give me as much or as little sap as he chooses. Here I am at its disposal, and the vine can do with me what it likes. Oh, friends, we need this absolute surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. The more I speak, the more I feel that this is one of the most difficult points to make clear. It is also one of the most important and needful points to explain what this absolute surrender is. It is often an easy thing for a man or a number of men to come out and offer themselves up to God for entire consecration, saying, Lord, it is my desire to give myself up entirely to you. That is of great value and often brings very rich blessing. But the one question I ought to study quietly is, what is meant by absolute surrender? It means that as literally as Christ was given up entirely to God, I am given up entirely to Christ. Is that too strong? Some think so. Some think that can never be. They cannot believe that just as entirely and absolutely as Christ gave up his life to do nothing but seek the Father's pleasure and depend on the Father absolutely and entirely, I am to do nothing but to seek the pleasure of Christ. But that is actually true. Christ Jesus came to breathe his own spirit into us. He came to help us find our very highest happiness in living entirely for God, just as he did. Oh, beloved brethren, if that is the case, then I ought to say, yes, as true as it is of that little branch of the vine, by God's grace, I would have it to be true of me. I would live day by day that Christ may be able to do with me what he will. Ah, here comes the terrible mistake that lies at the bottom of so much of our own Christianity. A man thinks, I have my business and family duties and my responsibilities as a citizen. All this I cannot change, and now alongside all this, I am to take Christianity and the service of God as something that will keep me from sin. God help me to perform my duties properly. This is not right. When Christ came, he bought the sinner with his blood. If there was a slave market here and I were to buy a slave, 
I would take that slave away to my own house from his old surroundings. He would live at my house as my personal property, and I could order him about all day. And if he were a faithful slave, he would live as having no will and no interest of his own. His one care would be to promote the well-being and honor of his master. And in like manner, I who have been bought with the blood of Christ have been bought to live every day with the one thought, How can I please my master? Oh, we find the Christian life so difficult because we seek God's blessing while we live in our own will. We desire to live the Christian life according to our own liking. We make our own plans and choose our own work. Then we ask the Lord Jesus to come in and make sure that sin will not conquer us too much and that we will not go too far wrong. We ask him to come in and give us so much of his blessing. But our relationship to Jesus ought to be such that we are entirely at his disposal. Every day we are to come to him humbly and straightforwardly and say, Lord, is there anything in me that is not according to your will, that has not been ordered by you, or that is not entirely given up to you? Oh, if we could wait patiently, I tell you what the result would be. A relationship between us and Christ would spring up. It would be so close and so tender that afterward we would be amazed at how we formerly could have lived with the idea, I am surrendered to Christ. We would feel how distant our fellowship with him had previously been. We would understand that he can and does indeed come and take actual possession of us and give us unbroken fellowship all day. The branch calls us to absolute surrender. Now, I do not speak so much about the giving up of sins. There are people who need that, people who have got violent tempers, bad habits, and actual sins, which they from time to time commit, and which they have never given up into the very bosom of the Lamb of God. I pray you, if you are branches of the living vine, do not keep one sin back. I know there are a great many difficulties about this question of holiness. I know that all do not think exactly the same with regard to it. To me, that would be a matter of comparative indifference if I could see that all are honestly longing to be free from every sin. But I am afraid that unconsciously there are often compromises in hearts with the idea that we cannot be without sin. There are those who think that we must sin a little every day. We cannot help it. Oh, that people would actually cry to God, Lord, do keep me from sin. Give yourself utterly to Jesus and ask him to do his very utmost for you in keeping you from sin. There is a great deal in our work, in our church, and in our surroundings that we found in the world when we were born into it. It has grown all around us, and we think that it is all right, that it cannot be changed. We do not come to the Lord Jesus and ask Him about it. Oh, I advise you, Christians, bring everything into relationship with Jesus and say, 
Lord, everything in my life has to be in most complete harmony with my position as a branch of you, the blessed vine. Let your surrender to Christ be absolute. I do not understand that word surrender fully. It gets new meanings every now and then. It enlarges immensely from time to time. But I advise you to speak it out. Absolute surrender to you, O Christ, is what I have chosen. And Christ will show you what is not according to his mind and lead you on to deeper and higher blessedness. In conclusion, let me gather up all in one sentence. Christ Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. In other words, I, the living one, who have so completely given myself to you, am the vine. It is impossible to trust me too much. I am the almighty worker, full of a divine life and power. You are the branches of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is in your heart the consciousness that you are not a strong, healthy, fruit-bearing branch, not closely linked with Jesus, not living in him as you should be, then listen to him say, I am the vine, I will receive you, I will draw you to myself, I will bless you, I will strengthen you, I will fill you with my spirit. I, the vine, have taken you to be my branches. I have given myself utterly to you. Children, give yourselves utterly to me. I have surrendered myself as God absolutely to you. I became man and died for you that I might be entirely yours. Come and surrender yourselves entirely to be mine. What shall our answer be? Oh, let it be prayer from the depths of our heart that the living Christ may take each one of us and link us closely to himself. Let our prayer be that he, the living vine, will so link each of us to himself that we will go away with our hearts singing, He is my vine, and I am his branch. I want nothing more now that I have the everlasting vine. Then when you get alone with him, worship him and adore him, praise and trust him, love him and wait for his love. You are my vine, and I am your branch. It is enough. My soul is satisfied. Glory to his blessed name. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, 
in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.